after Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. family. It is an honor for Cynthia and I to be here with you this morning to share about Nepal, to be in the Lord's house and to worship with you. And um, we are thankful that hope does have a name. And I'm thankful that we serve a God that can do all things. As he's saying this morning, I was just thinking how it is exactly what we have been sharing about and going around talking about how God's been working because 2020 did not look like any of us thought it would. It didn't look like that way for us, for our ministry and our teams and plans that we had. It didn't look that way for you and your families and your jobs and the lockdowns and everything, I'm sure, for you as well. But 2020 went exactly as God wanted it to go. It didn't catch him by surprise. And so we've had to be reminded of that. And we've clung to this verse for the past year. And I think it's appropriate probably for you today as well. And it's Romans 8:28. And it's that, for we know that those that love God, all things work together for good. And so while 2020 may be off kilter or in a ditch or um, not going like you thought it would, it's going the way God thought it would. And I want to share a little bit about how God worked through that for, through our ministry, through our family, and through just the lives of the Nepali people, even though things were not going according to plan like we thought they would. And just to give you a little bit of a tidbit about Nepal, um, again, it's on the other side of the world, surrounded between India and China. It is a home of 30 million people, and its primary religions are Hinduism and Buddhism. And with our ministry, my wife and I run a children's home, but through our organization, we're also able to do different things where we partner with teams and have people come in from the uh, various areas to come and share and work, and we bring in medical, dental, construction, veterinarian teams, and those type things. And when the great lockdown happened, we had a team in the country that barely got out three days before the world closed. And we were supposed to have 10 additional teams coming to work with us that year that did not come. And so that caused things to be changed on our end drastically because we had all these skilled technicians and doctors and nurses and builders and veterinarians coming to work that now couldn't come. The other thing that happened was we had all these Nepali people that were now locked down and didn't have jobs and couldn't go out. And so we had all these skilled laborers that couldn't come out and help us and couldn't come out and work and earn a living for their family. And so what we were able to do is instead, we were able to partner with three local communities and help build churches during this time. A time that we would have normally been out working in other villages, time that these villagers would have been out even in other countries working like India. They were now home and were able to help us and help their communities build churches. So because of your integral support and uh, prayer and finances, we were able to build three churches for three different communities this year, and our family was even able to help in that. Normally, I would be off with a team working, but instead our children were able to go out and help us work and help do the labor and build these churches, and we got to come closer together as a family through that. The other thing we were able to do is pour into those communities. And one of those that I'd like to tell you about is a community of deletes or untouchables. And in the Hindu system, they're literally untouchable. Their shadow is not even allowed to touch somebody from the higher caste. And so this group of believers were meeting under a tree. There was 20 of them that met every Saturday on, when we have church in Nepal on Saturdays. They met there under a tree out in an open field, and that was where they had church. And so we were able to go in and partner and share with that community and 
uh, partner with somebody there that wants to be the pastor and send him to seminary so that he could get training. And then we were able to help build a church there. And so literally yesterday, a new church was being dedicated for this community. And you'll see the photos coming up in just a moment. And so in a group of people that society says is untouchable, God reached down and touched. These are the very people that Jesus himself hang out, hung out with when he was here on this earth. And so for them to have a place to call home, a church, to come together inside and worship, I can't tell you the joy that that brought them to know that people halfway around the world that most likely would never meet them cared enough and was burdened by God to support and help build them a church. And you made that possible. The other church I'd like to tell you about is actually our home church in Jumla. And you're seeing my son now working on mixing cement as we worked on this church. But we have a group, and your pastor and staff have attended there, and we have a group of about 100 believers that were meeting in a rented room that was about the size of this stage. And our owners of the building were living above us, and they're Buddhist. And so in the middle of church services, we'd have the Buddhists doing the rituals and the chants and all the different things that they do while we're trying to have church below. And then just the fact that there were over 100 of us crammed in this small space. Well, your church, raised the, or your church raised the funds for us to be able to buy land and build a new church, and we're in the process of what you're seeing now, the photos of finishing that church. And the land that God gave for this church literally sits on the hill overlooking the entire city and valley of Jumla. So the shining city on a hill church is right there looking out where every Hindu and Buddhist and community leader, even the army base, is right below it and has to look down on, uh, look up to this church. And so we know it's going to be a beacon for God in this dark community, in this dark part of the world. And we know God is working mightily. Our Nepali pastor there that runs this church, him and his wife are so faithful. They pour into this community, have been there over 30 years, working and pouring into them. And in fact, their family and another family were the first ever Christians in the 2,000-year history of this village and it's less than 30 years old of Christianity in this village. And so it's easy for us to throw a name on them like unreached people groups. But I was reminded so vividly yesterday as I sat and met with some Christian missionaries in Louisiana yesterday that had been kicked out, how they were sharing about, we call them unreached people, uh, unreached people groups, but Jesus calls them by name. He knows each one of these. He created them. And so they're his sons and daughters. And so now I'd like to share a little bit about my sons and daughters, Cynthia and I's family that God has given us in our children's home. And all the kids are doing really good. We've got a new daughter that we uh, have received since we were here with you last. Her name is Alicia. She's six years old and is a bundle of joy and is doing great. And our family is flourishing. It was a good time for us personally during the lockdown to be able to spend that time together where we normally would have been separated with them in school and me off in the field working with the teams and my wife running our home alone. Instead, we got to be together and God is still good because there's still all eight of us alive. We didn't kill each other during the seven months of lockdown. But I'd like to share a little bit about our oldest daughter. Uh, this is Hamani that you're seeing now. She's been with us the longest. God brought her into our life six years ago out of the slums. And she was orphaned at the age of 12, left abandoned in the slums after her father committed suicide in front of the family, in front of her and her younger sister. Six years fast forward to today, this is Hamani going into nursing school the first time on the first day. 
This is a child that age 12 dropped out of school and was delivering milk at 4 a.m. to try and earn money to survive and feed herself and feed her sister. And now six years later, she's finishing up her freshman year of nursing school. And we uh, FaceTimed with her briefly this morning, and she was in her little nursing uniform going into school and class, and we prayed for her. And she's doing wonderful because she has a nurse's heart. She has that compassionate heart. But the thing we're most proud of is her witness for Christ and how she is a witnessing machine. She has led an entire family in our village to Christ, and they're all members of our church now just by meeting their daughter on the street one day and pouring into her and helping her when she was in a time of need and bringing her to our ministry where we could help their family. Two weeks ago, she calls us to tell us that she just led her 12-year-old little sister to Christ. Now, her little sister, Kasum, was about six when uh, she had to leave the family. And so Hamani's been witnessing and pouring into her. And so now she has come to Christ and is a believer And so we just see it continue to grow through God's grace and your love and provision and prayers. And for us personally, we had a pretty bad accident with our family this year where I took my kids to the river and my son got a really bad cut on his foot. And it was so bad that I had to take him to the emergency room and we had to be admitted in the hospital for about four days. And at the time, it looked really bad. But looking back, we saw how God was even in this because My wife and I, for four years, have been trying to get into this hospital and minister to even just help people with surgeries and help people with finances and to come and pray with people, and we were rebuffed every time. Well, by God's divine appointment, we're sitting in the emergency room with our son, and we meet the young man you're seeing now, and his name is Bakhtaraj. And he was in the ER that morning, or that night, I'm sorry, and he was screaming as they were treating him, and it was just such a bad scream, it was blood-curdling. And so I finally said, well, I'm going to go down and see if there's some way I can help, just see what's going on. And what we found was this little boy back in his village, which, oh, by the way, is a 12 days walk from the hospital. He had been out shepherding the family herd when he saw a shiny wire on the ground and picked it up. It was a live power line. And so it burned both his hands so severely, and he went 28 days with no medical care. So by the time he reached us and was at the hospital, both his arms had to be amputated. He had gangrene in both arms. And so we sat with this family. We fell in love with this family. And this family, through God, opened up the doors for us to minister in the hospital for over four months. We shared with his Hindu father, my Nepali pastor and I, we was about to go into surgery and we said, well, we believe in the great physician, Jesus Christ, and would you allow us to pray for your son and the surgeons and the operating team? And his dad looked at us and said, I don't know who Jesus is and I don't know anything about prayer, but if it'll help my son, I'm all for it. And so right there in that operating room, our Nepali pastor opened up the heavens and He came through the surgery in flying colors. He's recovering great. He's doing wonderful. And again, just to see how we were able to pour into that family because of the tragedy that happened in our family. And then because we were there working with Bakhtaraj every day for his recovery and surgery, we met the next young lady that you're about to see whose name is Samjana. Samjana is a 15-year-old little girl that suffers from seizures. And Samjana, according to who you believe, either had a seizure and fell into the fire, or most likely, because the Hindu belief of that demons cause seizures, they believe you put them in fire and fire will drive out the demons. And so she was held in the fire 
to exercise the demons and cure her from the seizures. And so when we met her, she was in the hospital with third and fourth degree burns over 60 to 80% of her body. And I didn't even know fourth degree burns existed, but that means you actually lose bones. It burns your bones through. This little girl, we thought we would go cheer her up and we'd go be an encouragement to her, but instead every day we left her smiling so big and feeling so uplifted. You were able to provide life-saving medical care for her, care that they would not have been otherwise to afford, um, seizure medicine, surgeries, rehabilitation. And just uh, two days ago, Friday, she was able to come out of Jumla and be brought to the capital of Kathmandu and transferred to a burn specialty hospital where she can have plastic reconstructive surgery. She has issues where her hands are drawn up and the, the scar tissue is drawn up that it can be fixed, hopefully. Also that she might have some reconstructive surgery, obviously to help with the physical damage that has been done. And uh, this is just a beautiful little 15-year-old girl that has the most amazing spirit. And so we've been able to pour into that family in their time of need because of you. We couldn't have been there with them, wouldn't have been in that hospital if it hadn't been for your steadfast support. And so Cynthia and I looked back and talked about God working all things for good. The best thing that's ever happened for our ministry in four years of living in Joomla was our son cutting his foot in the river and having to go to the emergency room. We are like, we tried to bust open the doors of that hospital so many times, but it wasn't God's timing. But when it was God's timing, the doors were thrown wide open, and we were able to be walked right in and escorted and happy to be seen every day by the same medical staff that had rebuffed us for three years prior. And so the last story I want to share with you again this morning is a young man or a pastor from our training in our pastor seminary program that your staff come and helps and participates. And we have a three-year seminary course that these pastors come and do on a correspondence basis. And um, his name is Pastor Tapa. Pastor Tapa is from a remote village. They're the only believers in their village, and they started a church there. He felt called of God to start a church. And him and his wife go out and minister and visit and share and try and disciple in their village. Well, Pastor Tapa this past August was with us in Kathmandu for training. And one morning at breakfast, he came out and I could immediately tell something was wrong. Nepali men are tough people. They don't show emotions. They don't cry. And I could tell he had been crying and I could tell he was upset. And so as he came, he asked if he could sit down with Bino tonight and uh, share something. And he began to pour out his heart and begin to cry. And what had happened is he had just received a phone call from his home village and his wife. His wife had been beaten by the local Hindus. They knew he was out of town and away. And so they had attacked her and physically beaten her. They had killed all their livestock in an attempt to drive them out of their village, to drive out the Christians and to run them off. And so as he sat before us, all he was asking for was that we would pray for him and that he wouldn't be found wanting and that his faith would stand fast in this, that he wouldn't walk back on his faith, that he wouldn't shrink from it. And I was thinking, that you know, at this time with all this just happened, you're not thinking, hey, can I leave and rush back? And oh, by the way, it's a three-day trip back to his village. I would be wanting to get back to Cynthia immediately as fast as I could if that had happened to my family. Instead, he's thinking, will you just pray for me so that I will stand strong in my faith through all this. So unbeknownst to all of us at the time, but not unbeknownst to God, often remote villages in that community around in different uh, villages, eight to ten different women had recently come to Christ, 
have been trying to get together in secret in the forest and study. And they were uneducated and couldn't do a good job of it. And so they were praying for God to send them a teacher. And so when they heard about Pastor Tapa's wife, Muna, they said they knew immediately this was who God was leading them to be their teacher. So they hike out to her village, come and sit down with her and ask her to lead them in Bible study and everything. And so today, instead of working in one little village, God has grown their ministry and they now minister in eight different villages because she leads these women in Bible study. Their testimony in their village is that God is great and they will not run from the fight from darkness. Because of your support, our ministry was able to restore all their livestock. So they've been made whole financially. And through all this, God has been glorified. So we just can't thank you enough. That's why we come back on these furloughs is just to share a little bit with you about how you are making a difference through your prayer, through your giving, and through your going to come and work and love on the people of Nepal. So we thank you for that. We thank you for your support and all that you have done. We pray for you as well. And just know that you are making a difference and that Again, God is in control. I think maybe people in America need to hear it just as much as we need to hear it on the field, that God works all things for his good, and he's still in control. So, Pastor, thank you for your time. Church family, thank you. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.